Easter, and you're listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast, the podcast that gives you the mindsets, strategies, tips, and tricks to live your freedom and love your life. If you're here, I suspect that you have a total badass inside you, but chances are that you haven't let it play full out yet. Maybe you've been told not to, that it's too much, maybe you've been worried about what other people will think, or maybe you just haven't made the space to shine. If any of that sounds familiar, you've come to the right place. Each week, my co-hosts and I will be exposing the lies that keep that badass chained and, more importantly, sharing the tools to help you break free and share that most authentic you with the world. So, if you want more freedom, possibility, or courage, then I'd invite you to take a deep breath, get curious, and listen carefully for your shift to freedom. All right, welcome back to the Shift to Freedom podcast. I'm here with my buddy Clayton Olson. So excited to have this conversation today. We're going to talk about powerful questions. Clayton, tell us about uh, where did where did the idea for this come from? Yeah. So in my learnings, uh, a school that I had been deeply connected to, NLP Marin, a gentleman by the name of Carl Bukite, who is the founder of that company, introduced me to something called virtual questions. And virtual questions are questions that we are living under that are essentially creating our current experience. So Mm -hmm. if we're having an experience of stuckness, there might be a way in which we are silently asking ourselves questions that are actually keeping us stuck. Mm -hmm. And if we are having an experience of being empowered and feeling expressed and free and creating, there's other questions that we're actually asking ourselves that we're oftentimes not aware of. And what I love about this topic and what I'm really excited to talk with you about is because I know that you personally really understand how important questions are in the profession that we do. And that part of our job and maybe the majority of our actual work is asking the right questions to people to help them begin to shift their focus in a way that allows them to get unstuck and create. It's like our currency showing yeah. up and asking people questions so that they, uh, you know, I always talk about it with this metaphor of like shining a flashlight. We call lucid shift coaching because when you shine a mm. light on things, sometimes just the shining of the light is enough to change the relationship to the reality. So I always talk about this, like this dark attic that we walk around in and that's the world. And then we have like one, one flashlight, one spotlight that we can, mm. we can point it in any direction we want to, but we can only point it in one direction at a time. And that's like the spotlight of attention. And what I think yeah. questions are really useful for is that they they can direct the spotlight in certain directions and when you know when you're looking over here you see a scary monster but when you're looking over here you see like a child's toy and (laughs) those are completely different experiences of the world (laughs) yeah i love it i I would rather see child's toys than scary monsters any day of the week any day Um, you know depending on if those scary monsters are ones i'm supposed to be facing right Mm. um but fair point yeah i think you bring up a a really, yeah, I, I love what you just said there. And, you know, Tony Robbins, uh, I think he also uh, stands by this. He says the, the questions we ask ourselves determine the quality of our life. And um, our questions determine the way that we are showing up and who we are being in all these different contexts. Uh, and I believe that the questions that we ask ourselves can ultimately make or break our life. Let's unpack this a little bit. So let's go into an example or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great. Okay. So I'm going to just go into an example of one just of what happened with me. 
um, and my experience of Colorado, for instance. So uh, almost 20 years ago, maybe a little less, I moved to Colorado. And for the last few, I'd been thinking about moving. And as I had been thinking about moving, and I kind of felt this feeling of, oh, maybe it's time for me to complete my chapter in Colorado, I noticed myself asking questions like, how much longer am I going to be here? Um, why isn't Colorado more lush and beautiful? Or <laughs> does this place really still have anything to offer me? Mm. And what ended up happening is as I started asking those questions, I started to find evidence for supporting me actually leaving Colorado. And it was because the questions were in some ways setting up a negative frame for me to see Colorado through. And so as a result, uh, Colorado started to look old. It started to look stale. Those questions actually started to uh, leak out any appreciation I had for the state. And it became really commonplace for me. Yeah, like priming your reticular activating system to notice. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And can you, for anybody that has not heard that term before, the reticular activating system, do you want to just mark out in a few sentences what that is? Yeah. So the world is actually a lot more like that dark attic than we tend to think. Uh, You know, there's there's so much going on. See, the cool thing, our our brains like make order out of the world in a way. And it seems like there's, you know, like I'm looking at some books or a lamp or, you know, a bottle or whatever. Um, But that is actually so much data that our brain is just kind of doing a shorthand for. And so the the thing that I'm I'm talking about when I'm saying the reticular activating system is it's the thing that's making meaning out of the chaos that is around us all the time. So there's just so much data that we couldn't possibly process all of it. It that's just the nature of the beast. It seems like there are solid objects, but that's only because we're like we're ordering it out of that chaos. I think one gets hold of the lever of the reticular activating system by looking at what is it that you're looking for in your life right like an an example might be like you buy a specific type of car and now you suddenly see that car everywhere on the road Uh, that's one example of the reticular activating system at work and another one is is just what are the questions that you're asking yourself that are are determining what your brain looks at and what you look for exactly and and just to like to add a little bit finer detail the reticular activating system is primed to help us notice what we have decided is important to us in the world. Right. So like if you're really thirsty, you'll notice all of the different opportunities to quench your thirst. Mm. If you're, you know, whatever the experiences that you're looking for to make meaning out of, that's where you're going to notice. That's the, why the car example is so, because you've made a car relevant to you, a certain model of car relevant to you. Or the example I always give for the reticular activating system is like, look around your room and there's going to be a quiz, Clayton. Notice everything that's yellow in your room right now. Okay. I'm going to, you get three seconds. Okay. Close your eyes. Now, how many round things were in your environment? And for most people, Five. if they play, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. For most people, if they play this game, they actually won't be able to pull that. Maybe one or two, but what, even if they're able to do that, they're, what they have done is they've known the environment so well that they've reached back into past memories of, of round things that mm-hmm. they know. But even I pl- knew what I was going to pick for that example, and I missed round things that are right in front of my face because I was so busy yeah. focusing on yellow things at the time. That's the way that a reticular activating system works. Is it like it filters reality that things are there already? We just don't notice them because we're not aware of them. And that's, yeah. I think, the power Beautiful. of powerful questions. Yeah. So the reticular activating system was being activated by the questions that I was asking about Colorado that actually transformed Colorado into a place that no longer felt inhabitable to me on for some some experience. 
But then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, I took moving off the table. I was like, okay, it's time to hunker down. I'm going to stick around in the state and make the best of it. And what ended up happening was when I started asking different questions about Colorado and making a decision like, okay, I'm taking moving off the table, then suddenly Colorado started to transform because I started asking questions like, I wonder where I can go hike that I haven't been yet. Mm. I wonder what neighborhoods I haven't been to in Denver yet that I can go explore on my bike. Or how about this coffee shop that I haven't been to? I wonder what that's like. Um, or what would it be like to explore this aspect of the state and go camping there? And what ended up happening is I started to see the sunsets in, Den in Denver and Colorado differently. I started to see the hiking trails differently. And there was a way in which I started to bring a new set of eyes to a state that I had been in for 15 years. I started to notice the beauty almost as if I had moved there a, a decade ago. It was, it was really wild. So did Colorado like actually change for me? Did it actually shift into like a, a new state? Well, maybe, right? It, my experience of it changed. And so, you know, the nature of our thoughts, the judgments that we make, the questions that we ask ourselves are coloring the way that something occurs to us. So this is an example of, you can look into your own life and, and say, okay, where is it that I'm experiencing some type of stuckness or suffering? Mm -hmm. What is it? If, if that state that I'm experiencing was the answer to a specific set of questions that I was asking, oh, what questions am I asking that are actually creating the stuckness and the suffering and the lack of aliveness that I'm experiencing? So we're kind of reverse engineering and going backwards and saying that oh, man, who that. I'm being right now is an answer to a certain set of questions. What are those questions? That's, that's so brilliant. I love thinking about that. That just kind of blew my mind a little bit. I really, mm. <laughs> I really like that, man. Yeah, um, that's yeah. so cool. So uh, I have this, I have this concept that I, I sometimes use as a metaphor. So like the the brain is m more like a SQL database that we're like writing queries in, and that's kind of mm -hmm. like the reticular activating system. And the thing is, like whatever queries we give the brain, it's going to supply answers to that mm. question because that's just what the brain does. Mm -hmm. It just it answers questions. It's a meaning making machine. Mm -hmm. So if I'm asking a question like, why am I so insecure? all the time. Yes. Right. That's like a very, that's like a very common question that you, I've heard from people. Well, if you think about that question, you set the brain to answer that question. The only answers you can get back for it are reasons why you are insecure, which winds us up finding our whole world being created out of reasons why we are insecure. Whereas if we set the brain on another query, like, um, when am I at my most confident for mm. instance, Great. Now, all of a sudden, a whole new kind of experience is happening in my reality than it was when I was focusing my reticular activating system, when I was focusing the database on insecurity. Right? And so that yeah. is, I think, some of what we're talking about here, where I love this idea that you're talking about, where whatever environment, whatever reality you're seeing around yourself right now, imagine mm -hmm. that that is the result. That's the answer that you're getting back from the database query that you're giving, either consciously or unconsciously to your brain. And then is it the one that you want right now? And, and if not, here's another resourceful question. How might you ask 
questions that could help you to see the world that you want to see. <laughs> so good. So yeah. good. Exactly. I love that. So we're, we're saying that the, the kind of source code to your experience, at least one component is notice the questions that you're asking yourself that are just outside of your awareness or they're in your awareness and you're not realizing how important they are in actually creating your experience. And what I might ask you, Ben, in, because there might be a question here that's floating from some of the listeners is, well, which one's real? Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Which, which experience is real? Isn't, you know, if, if I'm asking the question, why am I insecure and I'm finding a bunch of evidence for that, isn't, isn't that more real than the question of when was I most confident? Like, don't I want to be based in reality? Yeah. It, and that's, how, and, how would yeah. you address that? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think there, there's like, people are, are want to say, well, I don't want to lie to myself, you know, or, you know, I hear people often talk about like the, the cult of positivity or something like that, where it's like, well, there are certain experiences that are more real than others. First of all, I think that's a really reasonable question because we, there's, there's like a yeah. drive in us to want to be true or to have some experience with reality as it is. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm interested to talk about this with you because I think I maybe go farther afield than most people would with this because I'm a little bit out of my mind. <laughs> and, uh, and I think yeah. that how I look at this is like, if there is an objective reality, I just, I have no access to it. I, I can't possibly know what that objective reality is because all of my data is going to come to me through, at the end of the day, my eyes, ears, nose, mouth, and fingertips and my kinesthetic awareness of my body. And those are all going to be filtered through my interpretive system that is in my brain. And so I literally cannot actually see the objective reality the way that it is. I believe that it is just um, a fool's errand to tr even try, all right? To imagine that I can somehow discover the objective reality in the world uh, is, is just, I think, it doesn't, it's a wild goose chase. That said, um, I think that what we're, what we're wanting to say is, <laughs> we're like, all right, but there's got to be something out there, you know, that we all have this common shared experience of the world. And aren't we talking about that? And it's like, okay, cool. Yes. There are probably certain things that we might lump into that category so that we can have a shared experience of the world. Like, you know, I like to think of these as things that could be proven in a court of law. So I can't talk about the, the misery of a state, for instance. I, I couldn't prove that in a court of law because that's just an opinion. Whether I like Colorado or I don't is just an opinion that I have. And I might say the temperature was 88 degrees today in Colorado. Mm -hmm. But to say that it was hot in Colorado today, that's an opinion. Hot compared to what? Mm -hmm. Not the mm -hmm. Gobi Desert. It was actually pretty, quite cool compared to the Gobi Desert. And so mm -hmm. all of that's going to be a relative experience. And relative is being the key word here. And so I would say what we're doing is we're not denying reality with these questions. We're not denying. What we're doing is we're, we're identifying where we want to shine our flashlight. That's, that's the point. We're not saying that the stuff that's over here in this corner doesn't exist in the world. Like we're not saying that there's no such thing as insecurity. That would be like, kind of like lying to ourselves. We don't actually believe that, but focusing our mind on when are we most confident? That's not saying the insecurity doesn't exist. It's just attending to what's important to us or what we want to make important to us. How does that land? Yes. I love it. I realize I love a lot of the things that you say. Um, and <laughs> what, I'm, what I really mean is you're coming in loud and clear. And I love the depth that you, you went with that, talking about objective versus subjective. And 
piece that I'll throw in there is that a lot of our, if not all of our suffering and stuckness comes from a relative experience. It yeah. comes from the interpretation of what we are agreeing on as objective, like temperature is an agreement reality construct, right? We're agreeing that it's this time on the clock, or we're all agreeing yeah. that it's uh, this temperature. Our interpretation of that is where I think we get to ask this really important question. What is the most useful question we can ask that will allow us to create the state of being and experience that we want? Yeah. And so as we're going through these questions and looking at this is like, we're not necessarily looking for what's true. We're looking for what's useful. Yes. What is useful? What is going to be the most useful question that you can ask in your relationships? What is going to be the most useful question you can ask as a creator in your business that is going to allow you to unlock a certain way of being that is going to be in line with what you want to create. Hallelujah. So something I'll just get it. I'm going to give a couple examples of some questions that people commonly ask. And then I'm going to talk about what they end up indirectly creating. And then maybe I can give a couple examples of like uh, questions that are more generative and what they create behind the scenes. How, how does that sound? Yeah, totally. I, uh, my language for that is resourceful questions. Like wh what resources you when you ask yeah. it? Yeah. Love it. Okay, yeah. great. So uh, some questions I see people ask in relationship and maybe Ben, you can even think about what are some questions you see people ask in business mm -hmm. around this? So a couple yeah, questions totally. I see people ask in the realm of relationship are, you know, am I with the right person? Um, or they ask the question, am I going to be single forever? Mm -hmm. Right? Or they ask the question, what's wrong with me? So for instance, what's wrong with me is a discreation of their wholeness and completeness. Asking, am I going to be single forever creates doubt in life's plan. And yeah. am I sure I'm with the right person is a way in which we are creating doubt in our perception. So a couple of questions that we, if we were to switch those and just notice the experience that one might generate through these questions, like what can I appreciate about this person, which creates mm -hmm. gratitude? Uh, what is here for me to learn in this? So this is harvesting some type of event for uh, gems and insights. Um, what's exciting about this? Right. Ways in which we're looking actually to activate our aliveness. These are just a couple examples of some ways how when we shift our questions in a certain circumstance, we can have more access to a way of being that is going to be useful in that situation that will, to your language, create more resourcefulness. Yeah, totally. How does that land? Oh, so, so great, man. Because, and I, I like want to flesh this out, the usefulness thing again, because, yeah. uh, because where I think a, a lot of people get stuck with concepts like good, bad, right, wrong, should, shouldn't, um, that this, this better, best, you know, this kind of language, what, what happens when we use that language is we're like, we're taking this useful concept, but we're actually like making it some objective standard that exists out in the world. This is this is how I think mm. these that language is working. It's like as though there's some great big book of what is good and bad in the world and that we can somehow have access to that or what is right mm. or wrong. And what we're really saying when we're saying something is good, we're saying that thing is in alignment with me. Or uh, when you say something is right, what we're really saying is that thing gets me to where I want to be in the world. It accomplishes some goal in the end. But when we play this game with ourselves where we use good, bad, right, wrong, what we're actually doing is like this this shorthand and we're believing that there's some kind of objective standard rather than a, mm. a personal opinion. 
that we're yeah. doing. Like that, yeah. that's a good thing. Like, well, obviously we all can agree that good is a thing. And it's like, well, but we can't all agree about what good means because we have different opinions about what is in alignment for us. Some people might value humor and play more and some people might value seriousness more. I, I personally don't value seriousness right? That's not to say that seriousness is wrong. It's to say that it doesn't align with me and who I am in my world. So I just want to like notice that distinction that when we're asking these useful questions, what we're really doing is we, we have some end in mind, either to be more of who we want to be or to achieve some goal that we want to achieve in the world. And when we're, when we're asking questions, we just want to ask questions that are useful to help us become that person or show up in that way in the world or to get some goal that is important to us and to align around that thing. And I, I just love that. And I love the way that you're talking about all these, all these questions too. In yeah. business, I hear, go ahead. I was going to name, and then I'd, I'd love to hear what you're going to say about the business piece, uh, yeah. that evidence is infinite. Evidence is infinite mm. in every single direction. And if we come from that premise and we realize that, that whatever you are looking for, you will find. And it might not be what you like. It, whatever you are looking for is what you will find and it might not be what you're actually wanting. We can take real responsibility for what we're looking for, realizing that we will find it. So if you're looking for reasons you're insecure, if you're looking for reasons why your life is broken or something's wrong in your business, you will find all of those reasons. And if you are looking for why things are working, why you can be grateful, why you are actually expressed in creating more creative self-expression in your life, you will find that as well. And so this just funnels back down to what you're talking about, Ben, which is what is the most useful questions that you can ask that are going to allow you to create the, the painting of your life that is gonna be fulfilling? Exactly. And it is not to be understated. I mean, like this is borderline magic. The way we think we're observing reality. Again, we think that we're observing it, but what's actually happening is we are creating our reality out of our interpretation of it. It just happens so automatically that we don't notice that we're doing it all the time. Mm -hmm. And so to set ourselves out to look for what we want to find the power of this is not to be understated. It can sound like a little woo-woo or it can sound a little esoteric or something like that. But the fact is that this is neuroscience. This is how we're actually actively creating our reality. I mean, think about an example that most people would be aware of is how time seems to pass very slowly in some places, but very quickly in other places. The perception of time, which we think of as a very like objective thing that is out there in the world. But when you're at the DMV, you're super bored. Time seems to be crawling by when you're mm. in, on the world's greatest date with a new partner and, or you're, and you're, you're alive and you're in love. All of a sudden, hours go by. And so most mm. people have some experience of this, like with time. And that, this is all of what we're talking about. We're creating our reality out of our story about it, about our, out of our perception of it, interpreted by our mind and identified by that particular activating system. So that's the point of these useful questions. And it's not necessarily, I don't think, an intuitive thing to do because we'll be asking a lot of the questions by habit. So a lot of what we're doing is practicing new questions. We're practicing thinking in different ways so that we can start our default noticing of the world, right? Like our default answering of the questions to be something different. And that it just takes a training period, just like anything else. If you want to get strong at anything, you go to the gym, but you don't like just go to the gym once you keep going to the gym until you're strong. And then even then you don't 
stop going to the gym and say, gosh, the gym must not have worked because I'm not strong anymore. <laughs> right. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's like a cultivation of a practice. And I think this question thing is a very concrete thing that people can do to practice yeah. being in a mindset that's more resourceful. And this is why people work with coaches. This is why people work with somebody who is willing and committed to standing as a mirror to your own psychology is so that you can, number one, unearth the types of questions that you're asking that are creating a circumstance or experience that is unwanted. And then you can start to build a scaffolding and infrastructure an internal architecture within you to start to self-generate questions that ultimately move you in a direction where you don't even need a coach after that. Totally. And to have somebody notice to you the kinds of reality that you're creating and to not take it for granted that Mm -hmm. that reality exists in the world, I think is another really useful power of having a coach on your side is because you might be going and asking these questions and you might be hanging out with a lot of people who are asking the same kinds of questions in general. And so everybody's taking the way that the world quote unquote works for granted And so then Mm. to show up with somebody who doesn't take those things for granted and is going to ask you questions because, I mean, if I show up and somebody's asking like why they're such an insecure person, for me, that's going to create a little dissonance in my reality. I'm going to say, well, how do we know Mm -hmm. that you are? What do you mean? (laughs) What if Mm -hmm. you're, what if you're not an insecure person? What if you're actually a really confident person? Tell me about the last time you remember being confident. And now all of a sudden we're off in a different, we're in a different world. Yeah. Because I, it created a dissonance in my reality. Yeah. And I mean, even just to to, uh, put another example right in that one, switching from the question of why is it this way to how am I creating it as this way? Mm -hmm. So going from why am I so insecure to how am I creating insecurity? How am I creating the experience of insecurity within me again and again? And just that switch in focus changes you from victim to creator of, of your experience. And that little thing right there going down that rabbit hole is going to yield a completely different insightful way in which we see that we're really generating our reality and so much more through how we're me. seeing it and how we're asking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah. So I do want to go through some of that, but maybe I'll generalize them a little bit, but I, some of the ones sure. that I hear in business, but generally speaking, the kinds of questions to be on the lookout for, if you find yourself asking these questions or if you hear other people asking them, because a lot of times that'll reflect mm-hmm. back to you. Um, but these am I questions, like am I the kind of person who blah, 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 or whatever. Mm. What what that's doing is it's creating a world where there either is an answer yes or there is an answer no to that question rather than it being mm. a choice. So ask, turning something like am I the kind of person who can start a business, for example, uh, mm. turning that into how could I be the kind of person who starts a business or, or what mm. kind of person would I be if I were starting a business? All of a sudden now we're thinking mm. down a different path. So those am yeah. I, aren't I, do I, don't I, those kinds of questions, I think a lot of times they can be the kind of questions that slip us into an unresourceful reality if we're not careful. Yeah, um, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, also, the is this, isn't it, you know, that sort of thing, right? The question itself is begging a judgment from reality. And that's just not generative. It's like naming something one way or the other, rather than Mm -hmm. uh, exploring possibilities. The world is not black and white. It really is shades of gray. And when we're asking a question like an am I, do I, a closed ended question of ourself, essentially, I think, uh, just putting the world into that black or white state. Yep. One that comes to mind that I hear is, can I, can I do this? Can I do that? And Really, I think the question to ask in that is, do I want to do this? Because oftentimes when people say, I can't do this, it's actually because they don't want to. 
They're, mm. they're really vacillating between, do I actually want to do this? Like if it's uh, starting a business, if it's uh, taking on a new project, if it's even going out and creating a relationship, the idea of can I do this or can I not uh, has to do with, am I willing to actually prioritize this so I put time and attention towards it? Do I really want that? And so when we take it out of the domain of can I to do I want to, we start to really see what's in the way. And it's not mm. typically capability because we can learn. We can learn how to do things. It's it's really around, uh, is there something that I'm valuing that's more important that I'm not willing to let go of that's mm. really getting in the way of me wanting to do this? Mm, that's that's where we start start to really understand the blind spots that are having people be unconsciously, choicefully stuck. Yeah, and that's a useful point. I think maybe a topic for another podcast because I, I hear some people in my mind saying, well, what if I don't know if I if I do want, or I don't want, what if when I ask yeah. that question, I'm like, mm, I don't know. Right. Um, I think that's something that we can explore in a different podcast. Cause I think that sometimes happens for people where they're like, well, I don't yeah. know how to answer that question. I don't know what I want really in the yeah. world. And that's yeah. a great place to start though. Right. That's a, that's a much more powerful place to start than wondering whether you can or can't do something. Totally right. Actually getting really point. honest that maybe I don't know what I want. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And so noticing the, like the, the kind of the, how the question is working. So there that the question can is about capability, mm-hmm. right? And so are, is that what we really want to be exploring is whether or not we're capable, you mm. know, or do we want to be exploring something else about a how or about some kind yeah. of generative, something that we're creating? In, in, in the capable piece is like, sure, maybe the answer is no, but then we're actually saying that we're saying, okay, well, because I, I'm not capable, we're now divorcing ourselves from any learning. We're, mm. we're, we're thinking that we're in this fixed state that we can't fixed grow and evolve yeah. because if you're not capable, you can become capable. Right. Yeah. If you choose to, if you want to put the time, the intention, the investment into it, but then if again, you, it if, comes yeah, back. If you, you believe that, right. Bring it a choice. Yeah. 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 I mean, and that's another, that's yeah. another mindset block too, that sometimes happens for people is that we slip into this like fixed mindset. That's really the kind of question that is like, a, am I, yeah. or aren't I, or is this, or isn't this, that's like a fixed mindset. Like something can't transform from Great. one state to another. Right. Um, another question that people ask that I think is less than useful is, uh, what's the best way to do blah, 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 or, mm-hmm. you know, what's, you know, um, the right the, thing to do the right thing or the most effective mm-hmm. way. Cause what that's going to do is it's going to, it's going to, it's, it's making a statement that how the, the linguistic of that is working is there is one and only one thing such that that thing is the best thing. And mm-hmm. all other things in the world are not that thing are not the best yeah. thing. And that's not really useful. I mean, there are like an infinite number of ways up a mountain. You can just create a path and so to ask, like, what's the best way, I think, isn't that useful? And what I would invite people to replace it with is, what is a useful way? <laughs> or in what way can I see this thing happening? Or, you know, what's possible to create? Um, what we're really trying to get at is what's effective? What's useful in the world? What, yeah. what will help me get this thing? What's my, what's my guess right now of how that works? Yeah, what's the most effective way I can operate in the situation? Right? Well, even these... most effective, I think we're probably doing that same thing, right? That might paralyze somebody because now we're looking for, there is one and only way, one and only one way that is effectiveness at its highest. And if I yeah, can't find that one, I might not take action. 
And so it's almost yeah. like, what is a useful way? What is a way that will get this done? Because where a lot of people start asking those questions, and then we get trapped in perfectionism. And we're not taking action or we're, we're taking forever to get something done in the world because we're, we're waiting to come across the perfect way to do something, the right way to do something, the most effective way to do something. Any of those superlative questions, right? The best, the right, the best, most, the highest or whatever those, those like superlative questions are. I think we just did a, a topic in a, in a networking event about this. And that was like one of the things that was coming up. It was like, oh yeah, right. I can see how people are asking these questions. And then they're thinking that there's an answer to the question of like, what's the most thing? And then they're spending 80% of their time trying to figure out the most thing. Meanwhile, if they were just doing a thing, they would be getting more progress in their business <laughs> in the world. Mm. Anything at all, even if it was a horrible thing, they might be learning something from it, right? And and helping to make that kind of transformation. I mean, what do you, I mean, how does that land? What do you think about that? Yeah, the reason I asked the question uh, was to solve something earlier that I saw that was happening with the question. And maybe we're both, we were tracking different things. Mm -hmm. When someone's asking, what's the best way to do this? Uh, oftentimes we are outsourcing our own inner authority mm. and we're, we're looking for something outside of us to tell us how to operate in a situation, whether it's relationship or business. Um, when I said, what's the most effective way for me to do this, it's bringing the, the internal authority uh, gotcha, back gotcha. into me so that I'm maybe I'm looking at my own ecosystem and saying, you know, what is, what is going to work with my current uh, way of showing up and the different things that I have on my plate. Mm. I do understand what you're saying though, about the yeah. most effective, how the word most can be paralyzing. And so maybe what we would do there is just say, okay, what is an effective way that I can step into this, right? Cause if someone's juggling a bunch of different priorities, effectiveness might be something that is what will actually understanding that they can do something effectively might be the difference between them doing it and not. And if yeah, there's an so effective way to do it, it might actually free them to embark on the journey. Yeah. Perfect. And I hear you about saying most effective versus ineffective. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. And you even asked it another way too. Afterwards, you're like, what, what is a way that with my current capabilities, I can, you know, I can see the, a path forward or whatever, like any yeah. of those questions where we're like, we're seeing ourselves in some kind of motion, I think is really useful. Awesome, yeah. man. Yeah, cool. I think this is such a such a powerful thing for people to understand. I love if I were my one major takeaway from this conversation today is that piece about um, like whatever results you're witnessing in your reality right now. Um, what if that those results were the answer to some question? What question mm -hmm. would it be right now? And what question mm -hmm. would you like it to be? I think that's such a beautiful, practical framework for people to take away from this conversation. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. What yeah, about it really you? puts any, the lotus of control back yeah. in someone's lap. Yeah. Any, anything else? Any other major takeaways for you? Or if, if there were one thing that you would want people to take away from the conversation? I'll just underscore the piece that evidence is infinite. Evidence oh, yeah. is infinite. Yeah. And that whatever it is that you're focusing on and looking for, you're going to find it. And uh, I think people get into downward spirals, including myself, when we are beginning to unconsciously look for reasons that aren't actually useful towards what we're wanting. And so I think getting clear, taking a step back and getting clear on what we want can be one of the first steps to then inform the types and qualities of questions we want to ask that are going to be in service of creating what we want. 
Hallelujah. And if you want some help. And if you don't know what, what you, you want, want, exactly. Hit yeah. up a coach. Talk to me. <laughs> exactly. Talk to Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because that is the specialty. I mean, that's, that's truly what it is. It's about excavating what it is that we want. And sometimes we need to have a place to be able to talk about what we don't want so much that suddenly we start to hear the heartbeat of what we want when we get all that gunk cleared out of the way. Totally. Yeah. Really beautiful. All right, man. And thanks so much for the conversation as always. If you have any questions, you, reach out to us in the DMs, uh, Instagram, any other place, feel free to email us. Our links are in the, in the show notes. Yeah. Thanks, bud. Thanks so much for listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast. If you want to get the most out of your time here, think about this. What's the one thing from this episode that resonated the most for you? Asking that simple question can help anchor in your insights and remember who you want to be. If there was even a single thought in today's episode that helps you to become even 1% more free, then we are thrilled. If so, would you do us a favor? We're on a mission to spread the message of freedom and we could use your help. See, the algorithms love it when we get reviews, shares, comments, and likes, and then that helps other people like you to find the podcast and just maybe change their lives. So if you like what we're doing and you want to generate some positive karma for the day, please write us a review wherever you get your podcast love. See you next week. And in the meantime, live your freedom and love your life.